that I'd never stopped at. And so as you're driving by, I said to Megan, why don't we stop? And so we pulled over to the side. We discovered this like beautiful waterfall there. And you know, it was, I was feeling pretty romantic. I was pretty proud of myself. Like, ah. We're listening to this beautiful sound of the waterfall. There's this snow everywhere. And so we start walking. And we come across this rock formation. And as we got closer to it, as I started to look at it, there was in, into it, there was these, these little hearts. Can you see a couple hearts there? There's hearts carved there, so-and-so plus so-and-so. And I just thought, defacing nature with love. Beautiful. <laughs> and what I loved about it is as I was walking further down the, the path, I looked at this other carving. And it actually said, you might not see it, it says, what is love? And I was like, that's graffiti, that's profound. What is love? I like that. That'd be like a philosophy class kind of graffiti, right? What is love? On the surface, it seems pretty easy to answer. We've all kind of felt love. Since we were little children, we look up to our parents with these eyes of love and, and we love them. We know the emotion it feels like when we're, when we're holding our own kids or holding our mom or our dad. We know what it feels like to love. We know what it feels like to love if, if you're someone who's found someone as a romantic partner. There's a sense of love, right? We had this uh, um, slide here. Christmas only comes once a year. The love that I have for you comes only once in a lifetime. Ah, oh, like, that, 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 that feeling of love. There's even love in a puppy dog, that, that love of a dog who's sitting there moaning and groaning at the gravestone of, of a former master whining and pining for, for their friendship to keep going. So when we hear the definition of love that is most often used, that it refers to a feeling of strong attraction or personal attachment, that makes a lot of sense to us. Love is certainly something we can connect to our emotions, but is it just an emotion? Are we hooked on a feeling? Is that what love is? And I'd like to explain, I think when you start to look at it, no, it's not just a feeling. It doesn't quite explain love. A marriage that operates out of love only being a feeling is in a very precarious situation. For there'll be times when you might just, you don't feel like doing that thing. You don't feel like going on. There's just times when you don't feel like loving. Sometimes a little boy or a little girl doesn't feel like listening to their parents. But they should even do it anyways because love is an action. They will listen to their parents because they love them even if they're not feeling the love at that moment. The strongest forms of love are love when you know you can have it even if the emotion's not there. The love that will show up Love is complex. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a feeling. It's a thought. Often love is something you're thinking about and contemplating. Love is, is part of your will and your, and your actions. Love is an entire human phenomenon. You do it with all your heart, all your soul, all your will. It involves the whole person. St. Thomas Aquinas defined love like Aristotle did. He says, love is to will the good of another even if you don't feel like it. This is what love is, to, to want the other to have good poured upon them. Leibniz said that it is to be delighted by the happiness of another. And Jesus said, 
God is love. God wants what's good for you. God has this disposition in his will that he wants goodness poured out on you. He wants you to delight in, in happiness. Love is at the very nature who God is. When it comes to us, love is what God's always doing. And as Christians, we learn this as we put our trust in Jesus, that the love that comes our way is a love that we cannot even fathom. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, he was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God. He's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We were considered to be sheep slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. The Christmas story is a love story. It's the story of love itself. And this is why we have problems with, with this modern conception of love. When we think of love as a feeling that we get. When we think of love as maybe a, a biological necessity. We take love and we throw it into the category of natural selection. We reduce love to, love just kind of arose amongst humans and animals to help survive the species. You feel an emotion towards something so you can hold on to it and that protects your family and then the species can continue on. It's basically this idea that love is an adaptation that helps us learn to survive, protect our pack. Love is some type of, just it's an animal invention. But the Bible tells us that love comes way before us. Love is at the beginning. Love starts at God. Love is God. Before anything created or, or existed, love was there. Love is the beginning and it is the end. Before there was time and space, there was love. And this is why Christian theology is so unique because it states that God is one and yet somehow in his mystery, he's three persons. That God is somehow actually love, a, a relationship. God is the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit all as one. And this love is so overwhelming. It's so powerful. This God loves so much that it kind of overflowed beyond itself and it flowed out into creation. He loves so much that he wanted to create things that he could love. And that's why we exist. We live because God loves us and he wanted to love. God didn't have to create, but he loves to create. This whole universe is just brimming with love. 
And so the love that you feel in your heart, it's not just some invention from chemicals or natural history. These are just things that kind of help us access God, access love. God loves us so much that he decided to create other creatures. And he said, I'm going I'm to pour all my love on them. The problem was that some of these creatures decided they'd rather love themselves. If love is a defined as a good will or wanting good for the other, as soon as these creatures decide to point their love inward at themselves, this outward-focused love got corrupted and ego was born. The desire to somehow find love through oneself, which was impossible because love is all about the other. And infected creatures... They were given this gift of freedom, and they decided to point love inward. Decided to love ourselves more than God. Love ourselves more than others. When Adam and Eve didn't listen to God, they decided to eat this fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil. What happened was the virus of hate started to infiltrate the great creation. And we find ourselves where we are. Humans decided I don't want to love God anymore. I'm just not feeling it. And so they were separated from God. This is the human condition. We separated ourselves from God, every single one of us. But God wasn't about to give up on us. He loved us so much. He was not about to leave us at home alone. I was just watching Home Alone. <laughs> Our family watched it for the very first time. And it made me think about God. The movie begins with this little boy, Kevin, right? And, he, and he's so upset with his family. He says he even wishes, like, I wish I never saw you ever again. And it hurts his mother's heart. But he doesn't care. This reminds me of myself sometimes the way I treat God. Sometimes I just ignore him. Sometimes I even yell at him for all my own selfish reasons. The problem is that the wish comes true. Kevin wakes up to find himself home alone. Now, the mother realizes this in the middle of the flight. And from that moment on, she is relentless. She'll do whatever it takes to get back to Kevin. Neither full flights or delayed flights. Angry service people or other customers will keep her separate from Kevin. She won't listen to her own family as they're telling her, ah, just wait, let it go, he'll be fine. Nothing will separate mom from the love of Kevin. And so she does whatever it takes to get him. She's there. She's desperate. She offers up her earrings, first-class tickets, her ring, watch, whatever it's going to take. She just wants a ticket from France to America. And it works. And she finds herself in America. And yet, she still has to go a little further. She wants to catch a flight to Chicago, and she can't catch a flight to Chicago. And so she endures the most grueling ordeal of them all. Polka! She sits in the back, 
of a U-Haul with John Candy <laughs> blabbering on, giving her more fears, blowing an oboe in her ears, and yet it won't separate her from Kevin. Nothing was going to stop her, even being trapped in a musical hell. This is the love of God for us. Sometimes we feel like we're home alone. Sometimes we try to be all alone within ourselves, and yet God is relentless. He's chasing us. He'll do whatever it takes to get to us. He cares so much that he did the unimaginable. He decided, I'll become one of them. That's the Christmas story. God becomes us. God loves us so much that he'll do whatever it takes to get his little kids back. And so God decides to, to join the journey. He becomes human too. Can you imagine the love that this would take? I was thinking about this eternal logos and all of his glory presiding over all of reality in perfect union and love with the Father and the Spirit. And he decides to let go of it. And by the way, Jesus, the Logos, doesn't just let go of being God and, and infinite and all those things for, for a moment. He decides he will become human forever. Whoa. I don't know about you. If I was an infinite divine God, I don't know if I'd put this on forever for you lot. My love isn't quite divine yet. It hasn't quite been perfected yet. But what I do know is that this God, he came to love us. He gave up everything to get to us. And this Christmas, I believe God wants us to receive his love. If you look at this, we've been following hope. And see, you see the, the sign of God. And it comes down. And then we have peace. It's coming to humanity. We have joy, and now love is born. And even just that little kernel of love explodes in the light of God in our lives. This is the story of Christmas. God wants us to, to receive him. There's so much that he, he loved us so much that he wouldn't just let anything separate us, not, not even time or space, present or future, height or depth, None of these things was going to get between him and God. And so God wants us to receive this gift. I don't know about you, uh, the times I don't feel loved is the most devastating times in my life. When I feel isolated. When I don't know. When I question if I don't feel that love or I don't know that I have that love. Sometimes there's a lot of problems that come from it. And this can come from many places. Maybe we weren't loved enough from our parents. It could be that we didn't get enough love from friends at school. Maybe we don't feel like we get enough of love from, from our friends at church. Whatever it is, when we start that this, this lack of love, it hurts. It stings. The slightest little sign of neglect can, can burn a hole in your soul. The problem is we don't know 
that we deserve love. We, we know that we don't deserve love, right? Because you look at yourself and you start to look at things, you're like, there's that time I wasn't very loving to these other people. We all have things about us that aren't worthy of love. C.S. Lewis has this great quote. He says, we are all receiving charity. There is something in each of us that cannot be naturally loved. You accept that? You have stuff about you? It's not very lovable. It cannot be naturally loved. Thank the Lord for supernatural love. That there is a love that can come and love you even in your darkest secrets. He knows you and he loves you despite yourself. They will not separate you from the love of God. You know, mountain high enough, the valley low enough to keep God from getting to you, baby. And so today we need to receive that love. Let God fill our hearts with that love. The strange thing is that when you do receive the love, when you are filled with his love, when you actually receive and go, I will accept your love. I accept the love of Jesus coming to the earth to die for my sins. When you accept that love, the love that overcomes you starts to want to get out. It's like you're a conduit for the love. You know that? Because love is always other-focused. So if you receive love, it wants to love. When you receive love, it can't stay within you. It, it, it seeks to, out to love others. And what's amazing, you have this beautiful pouring in of love where God just keeps pouring love into you and he's expecting you just to pour it out. And it's just continuous flow. Of love. That's what it's supposed to look like. Love is all about willing the good of other people. We read this in 1 Corinthians 14. Love will wait without debate and is blind with kindness. Love is not envious, but plenteous. Love is not an aggravating braggart. It does not exaggerate. Love does not inculcate pride. Love is not snide. Love does not need to dictate. It does not proceed to get irate. Love is gracious, spacious, and audacious. Love's voice doesn't sing to the iniquity of inequity, but rejoices in the simplicity of authenticity. Love doesn't stop for any restriction. It never drops conviction. Pure love is always optimistic, yet realistic enough to endure each and every bad statistic. This is the love of God that's poured into you. And, I, and, and as I think about love and, and receiving the love, I think one of the best ways to receive the love is to give love. It's one of those oxymorons. And so I want to do a little experiment, okay? I'm going to give you a chance to take out your phone. All right? This is the only time you're allowed to have a phone in church. So you have a phone. If you're a little kid, take out a piece of paper and pen or something. And what I'm going to ask us to do is to text someone. Text someone love. Are you okay with this? Maybe you want to text them someone that you, you know, you've been separated from this year. You haven't seen for a long time. Someone you miss. It might be someone, maybe there's a little bit of hurt. Whatever it is, I want you to send them a text. Maybe it's a I love you note. Maybe it's Merry Christmas, I love you. Or Merry Christmas, Jesus loves you. 
Or I'm thinking about the love of God and I, and I want to give you some love. We're going to take two minutes and we're going to do this. I'm going to do it myself. Tell them why you love them too. Mom, I'm in my pulpit preaching about love. I love you so much. Jesus' love means that I get to love you forever. Thank you for your love. It shows me Jesus. I don't get to tell my mom all very much. Maybe not as much as I should. It was her birthday last weekend. But do you feel the love stir in your heart when you love someone else? Do you, do you, do you feel that? You just gave someone love, and somehow you feel love. That's how love works. That's how it works. God pours love out. And as you give it, you receive it. So today I want us to, to receive that love of God. Just maybe reflect upon that love of God. When you're driving the car, maybe just, to, just throw it out there. God, thank you. Nothing can come between you and God now. Jesus came to earth to, to erase separation. I'm convinced that neither height nor depth, width nor breadth can keep his kids out of his mighty grip. That's who God is. That's how he works. The story of Christmas is an epic hero love story. Virgil said it in classic times. He said, that love conquers all. Jesus did that. The Beatles said, all you need is love. And love in. That's what God's got. When we think of the Christmas story, we need to allow the love of God to overshadow the whole thing. This is why we always end with love, because that's the major expression of who God is. Bruce Coburn put it this way. For it isn't to the palace that the Christ child comes, but to the shepherds and the street people, hookers and bums. And the message is clear, you've got ears to hear, that forgiveness is given for your guilt and your fear. It's a Christmas gift that you don't have to buy. There's a future shining in a baby's eyes. I love that one of the things that can't separate us from God is death. A lot of us are dealing with the loss of loved ones, and there's a little sting there. And yet we realize that they are not far from the love of God. They are in the love of God, and we are in the love of God. And yes, we long to see them, and yet we can know that our God is a God who can overcome death. In fact, this is what happened at the cross. And as we come to the table today, I'd love us to think about the love of God poured out. That 
God loved you so much that the Son took on flesh, he came to earth, and then he faced the cross. He loved you so much that he agreed to be taken up onto a cross. He said, this is my body, I love you so much, it's going to be broken for you. He took the cup and he told us, I love you so much that I'm going to pour my love out to you just like my blood is being poured out to the ground. And his love was so strong that it overcame death itself so that you can experience a life and love even now and forevermore an infinity of love. So today as we celebrate Christmas, let's remember the ultimate expression of love, which was Christ's good news of dying on the cross for our sins so that we can live in light and love and show his love to others. Let's pray.